Welcome back to Country and Cold Kansas. As always, I'm Logan sitting here with Andy and Kyle. Uh, today, it was the Daytona 500, and it's the 20th anniversary of when Dell Sr. Uh, passed away on the track. So to open today's show, in honor of the Intimidator, we're going to have a three-second moment of silence. Raise hell, praise Dale. Raise hell, praise Dale. Because as our uh, a friend of the show, Sonny Ledford, said in one of his songs, hell no, I don't watch racing no more. It ain't the same since we lost senior. <laughs> All right. Moving on into today is our special Valentine's Day episode of Country and Cold Cans. And we're going to open up with our thoughts on the holiday. I'll kick things out because I have a remarkably consistent opinion for the last 10 years on this ridiculous fake holiday. I think that it was a holiday created with, by collusion of three different industries. The chocolate industry, the greeting card industry, and the floral business. They all created this holiday because my opinion is, my humble opinion here on Country and Cold Hands, is that if you really care about someone, you should do things and be thoughtful throughout the year at random, not because society tells you that you should buy things when in heart shapes and get candy and flowers. It is utterly ridiculous. But that's just me. I know Kyle can't really say anything because he's, uh, he's engaged. Yeah, I got Bailey some flowers, you know. Uh, Did the old song and dance that you have to? Yeah, you know, we for five years now, I'm not stupid enough to fall for that. Well, we don't have to do Valentine's Day this year. I'm not falling for it. So what'd y'all do? Oh, well, she has she has to work all weekend, but still got flowers. (laughs) I know the one time I don't, my ass is in hot water. So yeah, Andy, did you give? Did you get anything for your truck? Mm, No, I'm going to do that tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> what are you gonna do <laughs> i'm gonna get some new lights okay you're not gonna grease up the exhaust pipe or anything he's gonna get some new headlights for his baby mm. greasing an exhaust pipe creates fires <laughs> that's a bad idea andy said i've been rolling down the highway jake breaking pretty much <laughs> Oh, man. Like I said, okay, perfect segue because of the ridiculous Valentine's Day holiday uh, into we had a new song by Austin Mead drop on Friday. Kind of new song, I should say, because a year ago. Yeah, a year ago, he released on Valentine's Day weekend the music video and the single Happier Alone, which was a a really good song. I I really dug it back then. But then it was announced on Twitter. We saw some rumors that him and Co had been collaborating. And. What they did was they remixed Happier Alone and they added um, a new second verse with Co singing on it. Redid parts of the music video, had Co in it, and dropped on Friday. And I tell you, man, I think it is an absolute banger of a song. Um, it's, it's really diving into that Texas rock kind of sound from this generation of Texas performers that we've talked about here ad nauseum on this show that I really, I really dig it. The uh, music video is hilarious, too. Have you guys watched it? Not- yeah. Yeah. So Kyle, since you haven't watched it, Coe's, uh, it's set in a Valentine's Day uh, weekend in a skating rink. And Co is the, the janitor and he's plunging the toilet from some shit. And then he walks by a guy uh, sitting there with his pants around his ankles, peeing in a urinal. And then like it, it, he sings his verse and then it shows him back in the back of the uh, skating rink, sitting in a, a life-size skate. And he's just moving back and forth like this. Austin Mead yeah. walks in. 
uh, as the Boston's like, what are you doing? Why are you in a uh, skate? And why is there shit in the toilet? And then it's like, he pulls the, uh, his guitarist out of the way who was smelling a skate and Co goes, man, fuck those dudes. And then it goes, uh, get into the chorus where he says, I could be happier alone. Like it's hilarious music. Video. Yeah, I'm watching it now. And it is. to say that it's a sight for sore eyes. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts on, on this song? What'd you think about the concept of them? Like, changing the second verse and like remixing it i don't know that i've seen anybody in like country or texas the texas scene do that before haven't i i know that we all know that not necessarily in the music specifically but we all know that like co and i i, I don't want to speak for austin mead because i don't know this but i know that co is like influenced a lot by like hip-hop which is more common in hip-hop doing yeah. remixes and adding people on and i thought it was kind of a cool thing to see those guys collaborate like that because I think Co. I think Co's second verse on this song was better than the second verse on the original. Personally, yeah, I do too. The second verse on the original was pretty short. Yeah, it was. Too, and it as was, well, it wasn't, but like four lines, I think. I want to say something. It was very similar to the first verse too. I mean, it, it was a good. It was a good verse. So I was like, I'm not dogging it. I just think they improved on it. And then it was smart for Austin Mead to bring in. You know, Co's hit it big right now, especially for a Texas artist. So it gets him some extra spins on um, on Spotify and Apple Music, extra publicity, collaborating with Co. But the second verse uh, that they added, I think is uh, I think is really really good because it, especially the part where he's just like it, it's like Co the person that Co's playing in the song is talking to his significant other and he's like you know uh, talk about how they never she never asked why he. Uh, uh, always hated to fight and that he didn't know why she was always angry when she said everything was all right. And then the part that I really liked was he said, you can sit there and pretend that we work out in the end, but the truth is that me leaving is better than believing that I could ever love again. Cause you see too many people in this situation in real life where two people are kind of like involved a little bit, but one person is really closed off because of a, a past experience or whatever and then the other person is trying to make it work but in reality you're both spinning your wheels because one person is not uh they're not really feeling it because they've been hurt and then the other person's putting in effort but they're spinning their wheels because it doesn't matter because it's not being received and i think that verse really encapsulates that really well and then it goes into the uh the chorus which is just an absolute banger you know it's perfect for Valentine's Day. I, I love that they dropped it right on uh, Valentine's Day weekend because it's the it's the typical rock and roll kind of like fuck you kind of m- mindset, you know. Everything's supposed to be lovey dovey, and they're put releasing a song saying I could be happier by myself. I thought they did really good too. Like together, they, like Co's voice, like they sing in very like similar styles, I yeah. guess, and like it really meshes very well for them two to do something together. Oh, hundred percent, especially on that song. Yeah. And I think that, um, Austin Mead's last record, we covered a little bit on the website, uh, back on the release waves is what it was called. It was really good, but I think he's leaning a little bit more into that rock sound. Like co is done. And, um, you know, you got like geo and the guns and people like that. So I've, I've, I'm, I'm excited. His new record drops February 21st, I believe. So I'm excited to hear his, um, uh, his new stuff. So, um, definitely be on the lookout for Austin Mead's new record. <clears throat> Yeah, you did a really good uh, job breaking it down. I don't really have much more to say. It's um, when you first told me to listen to it, it's a lot more rock than I was expecting, which is a good thing. Yeah, I really like it. But I mean, I I, I think Co should even dive more into the rock sound, especially as we've talked about personally. 
the more and more I listen to Cold Malone, the better and better it gets. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. So I, I, mean, I, I mean, he can do country, but I, I think the more rock he does, the, the better he, you know, the better he sounds. Yeah, and look, they're not pretending like it's country either, because somebody no, tweeted, yeah, yeah. yeah, somebody tweeted um, just yesterday. Um, I don't know what this genre is called that Austin Mead and Co. Wetzel were doing uh, with their music lately, but I'm really digging it. Austin Mead quote tweeted and said, well, it ain't country. <laughs> I'd agree the same thing with what Kyle said. I'd say the same thing about Austin Mead, too, because that song was just a straight banger when it came out a year ago. Yeah, it was. It's just sick. I just want more. I want more of it. I don't know what it is, man. It's just it's something about that theme of that you is like it almost make I think it appeals to guys obviously more than girls. Let's call it spade a spade. Um, girls are a little bit more probably handle this holiday a little differently. Not everyone, let me say that. Not everyone, but um, I was hearing that song and I was like, hell yeah, brother, and started like fist pumping almost like a douchebag. <laughs> but it's like the, the chorus, like I I could be happier alone, and it, that's all it says. But it's just like hell yeah, man. I felt that. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's a it's a banger. I had it on repeat today, which is kind of funny. Being Valentine's Day and all, but yeah, it's hilarious on Valentine's Day that an engaged guy is sitting there listening to Happier Alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. I mean, not not that part. Excuse me. Reframe that. The song that I had on repeat is 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 true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just in case, by off chance, Bailey listens to this. Bailey, he did not mean that he wants to be alone. He just meant that he was listening to the song. Yeah, she doesn't listen to us. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know she didn't because Bailey. Bailey. So, like on my my other podcast, Miserable and Reckless, check it out on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcast and Amazon and all that. Um, we, my older brother, is one of my co-hosts, and he uh, talks about how his wife uh, Jenny does not listen to any episodes of Miserable and Reckless because Jenny says, "I already hear y'all bitch and complain enough in real <laughs> life. I don't need to listen to it for an hour on a podcast." <laughs> Yeah, Bailey thinks it, it sounds like something we talk about at a, wherever we hang out. She's like, it's probably the exact same thing, and I hear that enough. She's not really wrong. We just clean. We just probably clean it up a little bit, and we don't use as many curse words. That's probably accurate. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely accurate. Yeah, Bailey doesn't organized. She, yeah, it's a little more organized. She doesn't get the jokes because we're just saying, "I need my wiki." I'm wiki. <laughs> nice oh I man! T- yeah, I told you about moonshiners, didn't I? Yeah. Oh yeah, phenomenal. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, that was th- this is a good song. Definitely go play it. Um, check out the music video if you haven't, because it's hilarious. I think they did a really good job, and I say good on you, Austin Mead. Good on you, Co Wessel, for dropping this on Valentine's Day weekend and giving a big middle finger to this ridiculous holiday and everybody that celebrates it. Ooh, spicy looking. Yeah, but um, all right. So next segue into our uh, our B block, if you will, on country and cold cans. Um, we're doing a little Co Wetzel thing. I kind of want to get you, your guys. Um, I, I got like uh, seven or eight tweets that I, I found from Co Wetzel because anyone that doesn't follow Co Wetzel on Twitter absolutely should because he <laughs> posts the most ridiculous, nonsensical things, and it is hilarious to uh, to to read. Um, I don't know what half of it means. I don't think sometimes he does, and sometimes he admits that. But I, I wanted to see if. Uh, your guys' reaction to this. But today, Andy, this one you're going to laugh at, I think, because it reminded me of something I said to somebody at Sheets um, back in college one time when I was, those people were, were stoned out of their mind and I just got to talking to them and I started confusing them. Co Wetzel tweeted this morning at 8.02 a.m. Valentine's Day is kind of like Halloween, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's exactly like something I said to those potheads that we ran into yeah. the sheets. They were so confused. Yeah, it's exactly like ice cream, but not really. <laughs> I don't even, what was the first thing that uh, they said? They were asking what it was. I don't was. remember. I want to say it was something stupid, like a salad or something. I was like, it's just like yeah. ice cream, but not really. None of it made sense. No, it didn't. But they were so confused because they were stoned. <clears throat> you know what he reminds me of? It's like G-Berry when we get really plastered and I try to make an articulate point and then about halfway through, I'm like, this is making zero sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just wasted. I'm trying to articulate whatever we're talking about and then I, I try to make this just off-the-wall analogy and it's like, yeah, no, nah, this, this isn't it. It's exactly like Michael Scott. Sometimes I start a sentence and I don't even know how it's going to end. I just hope I find my way through halfway through. Yeah. It's about like the many of those nights back in college, Kyle, when I would visit in Greenville, we'd be sitting on the back porch waiting for the sun to come up with a case of beer. I bet there was some nonsense that was said like, but it seemed like we were having a good conversation at the time. Oh yeah. It was probably just idiotic. Yeah. 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 Nth degree. Yeah, it was probably very idiotic. Kyle was a Democrat then. <laughs> Is there something wrong with being a Democrat, Andy? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> she was just waiting for D-Bray to be like, all right, I'm cutting it. <laughs> oh, man. I don't like getting into politics on this show, but all right. Um, next co-tweet. <laughs> um, <laughs> February the 3rd, 2021 at 1.01 a.m. We're noticing a trend here. A lot of times it's early in the morning. This one late at night, depending on your perspective. Um, he said, update, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I, I do wonder just how much has he had to drink by one and one in the morning? And look, I see the guy drinking wine and Jack Daniels. All the, even in the ha- uh, Happier Alone music video, he was drinking some, what was it, some Crown Royal Peach? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just I, turned he the has, bottle up. Yeah, I, I would have never picked him to drink that, but part, part of me thinks like, in not a bad way. He has like the fret guy persona where he'll just drink anything. Yeah. And he does. Yeah. I mean, for a while there, I would drink anything, but I'm an old man now. I can't do that. Uh, but I just think he is reverting back to the original Twitter where people didn't really know how to use it and they just kind of just said, said whatever popped in their head. Oh, yeah. I think so too. I, and was you know, a happy place. I'm absolutely here for it. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. A funny thing, too, somebody responded to that tweet. The very first tweet responded was a guy named Billy Bob Chapin. Chapin, sorry if I mispronounced your name. He said, Co, me and my roommates are drinking. Come over and drink with us. I would have been badass if he, it was like, if he actually this. showed up. Yeah, it would be awesome. Yeah, amazing. it would. <laughs> All right. Co tweet number three. Uh, it, on January the 23rd, really early in the morning, late at night, depending on your perspective, he said, sleep ain't real. Wake up and find out. <laughs> All right, that sounds like one of those memes where it's just like, it's got the three guys on the couch where they're super stoned and it's like mind blown. Yeah. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah. It definitely does. Yeah, I'm yeah, not sure yeah. if that makes sense or not. Well, it's funny you say that, Andy, and we didn't plan that, listeners, but it's funny you say that, Andy, because at 11.48 a.m., Co Wetzel quote-tweeted himself and said, what the fuck does this mean? It was on a bender. It's definitely what it seems like. So there was this uh, co-tweet number four. 
on January the 14th, uh, there was a young lady on Twitter named Katie who tweeted like, uh, you know how sometimes people will tweet though. It would be like the same sentence a million times in a row to emphasize their point. Mm-hmm. She kept saying, why didn't I name my puppy co? Why didn't I name my puppy co? Why didn't I name my puppy co? Co quote tweeted her and said, just be like, what up co? He's a puppy. He'll understand. <laughs> I mean, if it's still a puppy, yeah, you can, uh, yeah, he's on something there. Yeah. I mean, look, he's not wrong. He's <laughs> not wrong. All right. Co tweet number five. January the 12th at midnight, he said, I spent two, uh, two days in jail this one time. And when I got out, all I wanted was a cheeseburger. Ended up with a fish, a, a filet of fish. And I'm still pissed about that filet of fish. <laughs> Something tells me that's probably a true story. That's what I'm thinking, too, actually. <laughs> I just, I'm trying to figure out where in the world he goes to get a filet of fish. It sounds like McDonald's to me. Oh, Mickey God. D's. Oof. Yeah. Well, he's still pissed about that filet of fish. Yeah, They're not that to, bad. He went to McDonald's. Understand why? <laughs> so, co-tweet. I forgot what number we're on, but the next co-tweet, uh, December the thirtieth at two o three a.m. He said, "Sneezing is the eighth wonder of the world." I would concur with that. Could sneeze. <laughs> and the the two. Um, <laughs> Lord have mercy. I don't even know why I'm going to say this, but I am. The two responses underneath this, there's a guy named Cam that said, it's lit though. And then the the next one was a young lady named Heather who said, the fastest orgasm you ever did have. <laughs> <laughs> She's thirsty. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't know thirsty Twitter, like Texas Twitter, when these Texas artists are out there, like the, the thirst patrol comes out in droves. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of thirst traps. For if you want to see, navigate. if you want to see thirsty man, after I believe Parker and his girlfriend broke up. So when Parker started tweeting some sad stuff after that, uh, look, man, like Lord have mercy, the amount of girls that came out of the woodwork just throwing themselves at him via Twitter was it, it was amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Parker's not an ugly dude by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, just ask Andy. <laughs> yeah, Andy does, yeah. Just ask anybody. I mean, it's just factual. (laughs) All right. So speaking of Parker, he's involved in this next week. Um, December the 29th at 8.05 p.m., Co said, I had never been ice skating before today. I think I broke my elbow and ass bone. Fuck ice skating. That's worthy of YouTube, honestly, or like a GIF. What do you mean? Just to watch Co ice skate. Oh, yeah. He doesn't see, I mean, he might be just an elite athlete, but he may, he doesn't come off that way. So I just see that going catastrophically wrong. <laughs> well, it's funny because he must have went with Parker, maybe. I don't know. Because Parker responded and said, snowboarding went well, though, kind of. And then Co responded to him, I prefer taking an Uber off the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of dips back into my original point. When was that one? Uh, that was December 29th. Of this last year? Yeah. All right. I was going to say that could have, if it was a couple years ago, that could have been Steamboat. Could have been. Well, we've got three more left. And uh, this one, Co Wetzel said, haven't had a natty light since LJT, Larry J. Taylor Fest, LJT 2012. Them hoes ain't terrible. <laughs> He's not wrong. Nope. 
And then the first, the first uh, response was a guy named Copper Chief said, drink up, playboy. Respectable. Yeah. This one might be my favorite one that I've, I've read. Uh, October 23rd, 4.51 a.m. Coetzel mm-hmm. tweeted. Found a dip in my hunting bag. Shout out, hunting bag. <laughs> hunting bag. <laughs> that, that clutch. That clutch. Find. <laughs> it's like finding 20 bucks in your pocket. Yeah. Shout out to the hunting bag. And I like how he uses ho and LGT in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the uh, the festival where the, the young lady did the um, the particular luge off of uh, someone's anatomy? <laughs> Kyle, I think this was before your time on Country and Cold Cans. It, there was this video to one of our own Twitter where a girl did a dick luge. Was it an ice dick luge or an actual dick luge? An actual dick, dick luge at LJT. Mm, mm. Yeah, it was a it was a mess on Twitter. That's you are correct, sir. It's questionable. I'm hoping she knew the man. I don't think she did. Mm. I don't know that for sure, but based on no, the comments. Real. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm. I might have to search that video. <laughs> I think this is the trashiest music. Probably. But <laughs> <laughs> well, the last one we have in Co Wetzel tweets. I saved this one for last just for Andy because everybody knows that Andy is a Cowboys fan. <laughs> and uh, nerd. nerd. Co said, he's a Cowboys fan as well. He said, when we win the Super Bowl, y'all going to feel real silly. And if we don't, then it's because we just didn't win it. Only no. more Cowboy fans adopted that mindset. I know. <laughs> if only. <laughs> this, on this podcast, we're split two Redskins fan to one Cowboys fan. It's now the football team, D-Baby. The football team, I'm sorry, forgot. The Washington football team, established 1932. Moving on into the C block. (laughs) On that note, uh, the main thing we had planned for today's Valentine's Day episode has nothing to do with that ridiculous holiday at all. It's uh, something we had thought about a while back um, that we all find kind of interesting. We kind of wanted to talk about it here on the show is the idea of a country protest song because country protest songs have been around for a long, long time. But they seem to be, in my opinion, getting worse as more the uh, as time goes on. And because while there's a lot to, I guess, for people to say and protest about modern mainstream country music, the protest songs themselves tend to be like really just as cliche and just as terrible as the songs they're lampooning. And so I kind of wanted to throw it around for a little bit and talk about what we think of protest songs, whether we like them or not. And then we'll talk about some of our favorites and some we hate. Uh, so what do you pro, country protest songs? How do you guys feel about it? It's not a total thing because, you know, you've been protesting Valentine's day since the start of this podcast. So does, this is true. This is true. It does uh, tie in. You there you go. Full circle, man. Full yeah, circle. I like great that opportunity for a segue back in the beginning of the show. I did. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to go back and re-record that, but we always talk about how we're unfiltered. So yeah, yeah screw it. But I like how you pulled that full circle. I was protesting yeah. Valentine's Day, so now we're talking about protest songs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of fall in the same line as you. Um, most of the ones on my list are not new. Uh, they're they're old, seventies. Uh, I think they're maybe eighty. Um, 
I, I think the the trouble in a lot of modern things, uh, protest songs, are is they all sound the same. They they all protest the same things that we always get really annoyed by, like what happened to trucks or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know, generic things that really grind our gears. On, <laughs> on what happened show. to trucks? Yeah, now they're all eco trucks. I mean, I can see that protest song in a couple of years, you know, after we have some hybrids. We need to copyright that idea if it doesn't exist already. We'll make a yeah. t-shirt. What happened to trucks? That's good. <laughs> That's going to be a national number one. Yeah, we should, we should write our own song and sell it. We definitely should. What happened to trucks? Yeah, what happened to trucks and, and uh, Daisy Dukes? There you go. There's our next protest song. Everybody's driving a Honda Ridgeline. Yep. And what happened to trucks? Full length shorts. Yep. Yeah, they're all fingertip, yeah, fingertips like you'd wear in school. They're all fingertip shorts. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so I actually agree. Like the the uh, my biggest issue with a lot of modern protest songs is they always want to talk about they always want to name drop all the classic singers uh for, to give them country street cred they always na- name drop merle hank waylon willie they always they really, if, people if they really want to seem like they know what they're talking about they'll drop somebody like paycheck right but it, the problem is they always want to talk about how a song doesn't have a story and then they'll have a list of how bad the song is but their song doesn't have a story so it's kind of one it's ridiculous and then it'll be like pop sounding or really heavy rock sounding while it's protesting how country doesn't sound country anymore i mean what like no it doesn't make any sense like if you're gonna do a country protest song do it along the lines of one of the more recent ones that i actually thought was really good was uh from the holding my beer record by wade bowen and randy rogers the the song standards like that's a modern one that did it well because like I said, the whole um, uh, hook to the song in the chorus was, I don't have hits, I have standards. And, you know, as anybody knows in music, standard is like a term for some, uh, a song that is like held in high regard that everybody plays throughout the decades. It's, it's like a standard of the a staple of the genre, so to speak. So it ha- it's a little bit of a double entendre. It's like, I don't have hits because I have standards. You know, I'm not going to play that shitty tractor rap or pop stuff that everybody uh wants to push on everybody on the radio i tell you someone that did i thought did one they did a great job on it and stuck true to themselves and that's kevin fowler with when he did sellout song and the uh if you've never seen the music video to that song you absolutely have to watch that music video it is absolutely hilarious and almost as everybody knows, Kevin a lot of Kevin Fowler stuff is pretty funny to begin with. Yeah, like his song "Hell I mean, Yeah, I Like Beer." <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's a true to fashion Kevin Fowler song, so it's it's ridiculous, but that's most of his stuff. Yeah. It is Kevin Fowler. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Andy, what's one? That highly recommend. Like? I highly recommend that video. So is that your first pick? <laughs> Yeah, we'll go with that. I, and another one I really like too is uh, I like really like Fence Post by Aaron Watson. Yeah, mostly protest in Nashville. I guess it's not necessarily the country music scene, but it's Nashville. And I like how it, you know, it's basically the well, Nashville synonymous more, with country. Yeah, but it's more of how it it is. You know, you can still make it in Texas without having to sell out. Basically, same thing. Yeah, 
it's the underdog story. Well, what about you, Kyle? Well, Andy just took two off my board. Um, <laughs> the uh, the one that I think uh, I went to, um, to start with, the oldest one I have is the uh, Willie Nelson, uh, Write Your Own Songs, which is oh, yeah. pretty generic. But um, that one just came up because uh, Future and Violin, I was at the house today. We were doing a little work fixing it up. He loves some Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson radio on my Alexa. And that song was on the on the on the queue. I was like, damn, I need to write this one down before I forget about it. And I I think um we pull up the lyrics because I have a couple parts that song. Kyle just took one off my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna have some overlap. Uh all right, so when he says uh, we write what we live and we live what we write, is that wrong? If you think that if you oh God, I can't read. If you think if you think it is Mr. Music Executive, why don't you write your own songs? And I, you know, I, I think I think that's a like a shot straight in the arm to whoever <laughs> whoever or whatever he's talking to. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to articulate this, but. I kind of, I don't know if, I don't even know how old Nashville is compared to, I don't know if Nashville, was Nashville the center of country music in the early 80s? I mean, it's, it's <clears throat> Music Road. It, okay, it's, yeah. For, yeah, I mean, Music Road has always pretty much been the heart of commercial country, at least as far back as that decade, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, uh, that was just the first one on my uh my list. And, you know, and also he has a, a verse in there, Mr. Purified Country. Yeah, which which I thought was pretty funny listening to it because yeah, I actually had to listen to it a few times to actually understand what Willie says. Sometimes it's a grower, not a shower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, my, my main trouble with a lot of Willie songs is half times I don't I don't even know what he's saying. Yeah, and then I didn't have to listen to it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what he said. Okay. I wanted to know Logan's opinion on that song because uh, he did that song with Waylon Jennings, a song yeah. called Write Your Own Songs, and a man named Waylon Jennings wrote, I think, a total of 26 songs in his whole career. Yeah, Waylon was never one that wrote a bunch. But he's doing a song called Write Your Own Song. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... He doesn't up. write mo- any most of his own songs. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's funny you bring that up, though, because one that I, I think... I know Andy knows. Kyle, you probably have heard it. Um, is a Waylon Jennings song called Are You Sure Hank Done It This Way? He did write that song. He did write that song. Um, yeah, so he did write that song. That's a good segue into that one. Like, I think that's a, a good ver- uh, example of a protest song because... And Logan took one off my list. <laughs> well, talk. Well, you, your, give me your talking points on it then. Uh, that was about my whole... I didn't have a whole lot of talking points on this because I know you know more of the history about this than I do. And I know that's where you're going to get. I know because you've told me about this before, I, and I was hoping you're, you were going to have this on your list because I don't remember what you said before. Well, I mean, in short, Waylon wrote it. Um, you know, it, the story is in the song, so listen to the song. It's uh, about you know when you get there, they try to tell you what to what to do, and he's sitting there saying, you know, are you are you sure Hank done it this way? Because uh, it's more just a song about being true to yourself as an artist and uh, not letting the suits and the at the record label control you, kind of thing. Do it your own way. Similar to what how you know Willie 
was was singing about in, in that song Kyle brought up that he you know he left Nashville and went back to Austin and uh that's when his career really started to he had been writing a lot of good songs but I mean his career really started to take off when he went back to Texas. Now I'm trying to think off the top of my head uh isn't uh the the song you were just referring to, uh, you sure Hank would have done it that way. Isn't, isn't there an Eric Church song that's also a spinoff of that? Like, yeah, so um, I'm sure Waylon would have done it that way. A lot of boot left to feel. That's it. Yeah, we couldn't think of yeah. that. Yeah, because yeah. that song is very goes, rocky. Yeah, it's very, very rock. Um, that song, he goes, are you sure Waylon would have done it this way? He goes, and then he said, if he was here, he'd say, Hoss, neither did Hank. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was thinking of that course, yeah. Unrelated, but just popped in my head. Yeah, I mean, it's a similar vein to what we're talking about here. The Eric Church did do that with a lot of boot left to fill because, you know, he, I, I want to say that came around the time that he got kicked off of Rascal Flats tour for playing too long and too loud. Because, uh, you know, there, when you're on those big tours, there's a time allotment where you're allowed to stand and how loud your music's allowed to be uh, for the openers. And Eric Church didn't abide by the rules, got kicked out, and he got replaced by Taylor Swift, and Taylor Swift took off from there. So it's funny. Somehow, somehow that fits very well. Yeah. Funny um, story about that, though, is like after Taylor had her first like gold or platinum record, she wrote uh, Eric a, a, a thank you note about that because she really did get her one of her first big opportunities because <laughs> Eric Church got kicked off the tour. Yeah, thanks for it. I'd say they both ended up all right. So. <laughs> Yeah. And I know Eric Church did another song that's almost basically the same song when he did Country Music Jesus. Yeah. No, the rock song is basically the same on the next album. Yeah. It's funny because that song actually is written tongue in cheek. It's not written to be a country protest song. So the story on that is there's an old video that surfaced up on YouTube a long time ago where, um, Eric Church and his writer were talking about like smaller country blogs that were saying country music needed saving. And he wrote that as a response to that. And the guy that one of my favorite blogs to read is saving country music, been reading it since I was probably 15, 16 years old. And, um, that blog in particular, the guy that runs it is like pretty sure it was written about him. Cause the timing of an article he released about Eric Church and then the timing of the video coming out and that song being released was like a, a response to, to Kyle from saving country music. So that one, while a protest song, isn't what it seems like on the surface. Is protesting the purists more than anything. Hmm. But uh, one of the modern ones, too, that I, I tend to like a little bit is a Josh Abbott band song called I'll Sing About Mine, um, where he's you know talking about how uh, people in the mainstream essentially sing, they romanticize their small towns. And he what was the one of the lines he said, tractors ain't sexy. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you, you sing about your hometown and I'll sing about mine. I think that was a pretty well done song for, for a little bit more of a modern take within the Texas scene. One of the things too, is that I think like a lot of people protest this point is going to come around in a second. The, uh, like a lot of people want to protest like certain artists they get, thrown into nashville that aren't really country artists really never had been but they get grouped into nashville and it's one uh it's a a line from a song that i thought did a pretty good job about that is is, uh and uh reckless by kip moore where the you know the record exec told him the rhinestone suit and the cowboy hat should do the trick and he told him he could shove it up his ass and then kip moore basically has never really is not very done anything country ever even though he gets looped 
into Nashville and he's not a country artist, but then people want to protest certain artists to an extent like that, like him, because he get not necessarily him, but similar people like him. They just get thrown into Nashville because there's really nowhere else for them to be. To be completely fair. Um, as I'm a big Kipmore fan, I like his music. His first record was probably the most rootsy record he had, but it was still very Springsteen influenced. And I love that type of music. So I'm obviously I like Kipmore, but Kipmore gets thrown into Nashville and gets thrown into country because he markets himself that way. He, you know, he's in Nashville for a reason. It's part of the whole country industry. And to be fair to Kipmore on the flip side, you know, mainstream rock as a, modified genre doesn't really exist like it did in the past. So it's like for guys like him that aren't singing, you know, Nickelback 2.0, like, or Imagine Dragons, which is a God awful band. Um, <laughs> they, I, I hate Imagine Dragons, but um, if you're not singing stuff like that, like you'd really don't have a mainstream outlet as a rock artist. Cause I mean, Eric Church is more rock, heartland rock than he is country. He has been for a long, long time. Same thing with Kip Moore. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of there because out of practicality and because they have to be, but at the same time, they're there because they chose to be there too. But he, I also like the fact that he still, Kip is Kip. He didn't, you know, yeah. he doesn't try to fit into the Nashville scene. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, to be fair, something about a truck is kind of trend chasing and was a product the one, of the Yeah, time. the one bad song that he did. <laughs> yeah. It was a it was a hit at the time though. It was, it was a big popular. hit. Yeah, I mean, look, we also, were in, not very good though. Yeah, we were in high school, I think, at the time when it came out because I remember that song was huge. Yeah, song we come out something something about a truck by yeah, Kip Moore. Yeah. Speaking of truck songs, do either of you have that Wade Bowen song about trucks on your list? I don't. I know exactly what you're talking about. Introduce it then, Andy, because I just I just gave one. Songs about trucks by Wade Bowen. <laughs> had, uh, I, Darren, I can't. I'm trying to remember. I almost know the words to it, but I don't want to fuck it up. Just sing it to <laughs> but us. That, I'm trying to. Uh, damn it! I've, I've got like I've got like every other word, and I can't get it together. But tonight, he don't want to hear no songs about trucks. Yeah, it's like you know, They're tractors about- or. F one fifties, so you say it doesn't make sense. I'm I'm missing words. S ten Chevys, F one fifties, F one fifties. Yeah, it is like a sad song. At the beginning of the song, he was like saying, you know, uh, most days he don't mind them. He said, hell, he'll Hell, he'll even even rewind rewind them. But when your heart's been broke, you need something a little deeper. That was the first Wade Bowen song I ever heard. Me too, actually. That was our introduction to Wade Bowen. It's a really good song. The second introduction to Wade Bowen was a lot drunker. <laughs> you sounded drunk because you right then. <laughs> and he's like, I was a lot drunker. <laughs> yeah, when we met Wade at, at City Limits at uh in Raleigh after the show, he was uh such a good sport for putting up with our nonsense when we were talking to him. That was about two years ago, a week ago. Yeah. Because it was Dalton Domino and Wade Bowen, I believe, right? Dalton Domino was freshly sober, and we were freshly not. (laughs) Kyle, you got one? Yeah, the audience is probably going to uh, mock me, but uh, 
this protest song isn't one that I think either of you saw coming, but uh, it's always been a jam. <clears throat> and I think it's not really fairly certain uh, that it's protesting George Bush. Uh, the uh, Dixie Chicks not ready to make nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it might not be directly George Bush, but I, I do think it's, uh, what's her name, Fox News, the one that told him to shut up and sing. Uh, she I, was, don't I don't know. I don't remember. watch she Fox. Was, I, I don't either, but I just, I'm trying to remember vaguely doing my research. Anyway, one of the anchors on, might not have been Fox, it might have been on another news network, essentially told him, because, you know, they were loud-spoken critics of George Bush in the early 2000s. Yeah, they basically they, blackballed from country. Yeah. And then they made a song about um, they're not ready to make nice and <clears throat> like one uh, like you know in the in the song she says uh, gosh I found this I can push I don't mess it up like Andy said no I like price and I found it paying. I'm not ready to make nice I'm not ready to back down I'm paying to stay and I don't have time and then there's at the end of the song. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a political song. Uh, it's a sad, sad story when a mother or a teacher that she ought to hate us, a perfect stranger. I mean, it, it, I, don't, I just think it uh, is kind of, I mean, it, most, it's kind of hard to not have a political uh, a protest song that is quasi political in a way, you know, other than the Wade Bowen song. But uh, I think it, uh, and if you go way back, because there's a lot of, uh, songs protesting, whatever, but most of them are political. But I, I think it, it's just a good song. It takes me back to the years of song released 2006, sixth uh, grade. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really, I'm having a hard time articulating it. I just, it's not a, a protest song in the generic sense, like I was talking about earlier, protesting a truck or whatever. Yeah, it's more about like protesting country music, blackballing them. Because let's there call a spade a yes. spade. It was, it was I, like those early Dixie Chicks records were fantastic. Like, they are so um, yeah, I mean, I, I still occasionally will listen to some of that stuff uh, from back then. Like they, they, um, they got done wrong at that time. Um, they got canceled at the time. Um, I'm I'm not a cancel culture guy. I think it's bullshit. And I think it was bullshit when Dixie Chicks got canceled for their belief system at the time. So it's it, it's something that they um they, they they seem to be more protesting the industry for canceling them, quote unquote. Um I mean now on the flip side, the chicks new record is abysmal. Like yeah, I I think it is it's terrible, but they're a lot the majority of their discography is fantastic and people should still listen to them. They should have never been taken off a radio for making a comment. Yeah, and I think I think there's a special well, what, at least the comment they made. They shouldn't have been yeah, taken yeah. off for that. Yeah. I think there's a, a special emotion that makes some songs better than others when the artist is either directly affected by something or if if they have a dog in a fight or something. Yeah. You get a, another level of song when, you know, I'll go back to it again, when they're not just mad about somebody's truck or whatever, you know, it when they have a personal dog or stake in it, you get a lot truer raw emotion in the song, which I think separates it from a generic version of the song. Yeah. So. 
I agree. There's something, there was a deeper level to that one rather than just, you know, complaining about songs about Dixie cups and, and uh, are we allowed to say that anymore? I don't know. Apparently the word Dixie is wrong now. Like do it from their name, but uh, yeah, no, they, they took that out of their name. But I don't know. I mean, what are we? Are they just cups now? Like the is Dixie cups allowed? I don't know. Who fucking knows these days? Is but it, isn't Dixie a brand? It is. That's why I'm saying like that's a brand of cups. But it's like you know, that's there's always thought, yeah. like you know the Daisy Dukes and the Dixie cups and the tailgates. Yeah, um, but but yeah, I mean like it, it's there was something a little bit deeper to their protest song that actually had some more meaning behind it. And whether or not you agree with their stances they had at the time, what they said was not. I mean, it could have been offensive to people, but it wasn't. It should. They shouldn't have been taken off the radio. That was ridiculous. They got canceled before being canceled was cool. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. But yeah, I don't so, think getting canceled is cool now. Well, I should rephrase. Uh, they got canceled before canceling people was cool. Put it that way. Yeah, nobody wants to get canceled, but you know, I mean, they might come after us. Who gives a shit? We're too small to be canceled right now. <laughs> we're uncancelable, Yeah, we're unfucking cancelable. All the cancel cops out there, <laughs> Dave Portnoy. But uh, been in Nantucket, it's beautiful. <laughs> Excuse me, that song was actually written as a death they received. Oh wow! For the Guardian, that's Jeez. what they wrote the song about when they were receiving death threats. Even heavier than wow! Yeah, Hats off fine. to the Dixie Chicks for that one because that that is a good song. Yes. Um, so yeah, like uh, one that I've always, I think is the quintessential protest song. Um, and I will, I will die on this hill. It, it was released in 1999. I think it was, I may, I'm probably going to butcher this guy's name, um, but it was written by uh, Larry Cord- Cordell. And it was released in 99 by um, Alan Jackson and George Strait called Murder on Music Row. Yeah. And it's lamenting the idea of the where country music was at the time. And God knows this was in much worse shape on the radio than it was in 1999. But they uh, were lamenting where country music had, what it had become in the commercial sense and how, uh, you know, the, the, the hook to the song saying there's been an awful murder down on Music Row and how like, you know, the, the, the true spirit of the genre and what the genre once was has been, you know, destroyed. And I think that's a fantastic song. There was another version released in around 08, maybe with, um, but it was only available on a Cracker Barrel release, but it was done by Dirk Bentley and George Jones. Um, that was a solid um, version too, but the, the, the original version released to radio, um, play, I think it was played at the CMAs too, is when they debuted it was George Strait and Alan Jackson, Murder on Music Row. You can't get much more Southern than having a song only available exclusively at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> yeah, on a Cracker Barrel record. <laughs> Be like, hell yeah, brother, you can't get more Southern than that. <laughs> As an aside, you made me think of this, Andy. Somebody tweeted the other day at BJ Barham and said, there isn't, I dare you to find me a more Southern line than on uh, when the dogwood, where, uh, for the dogwood blooms where he said, I got to get to getting for the getting's good or while the getting's good. Like that's such a Southern saying to say. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah. No, yeah. it's a, that's the most underrated song on their new record. All the attention got thrown to the more political stuff he did, which is, you know, that's BJ, you know, that's part of the yeah. package. When you subscribe to be an American aquarium fan that comes with it, if you don't like it, you don't like it. I mean, BJ doesn't give a shit, but, um, but you know, all the attention got put on those because of the very <clears throat> divisive nature of people on the left and people on the right right now, politically it's, we're getting inundated with politics on, you know, all of our 
different mediums now. So everybody is obviously more polarized as a result. And um, so those got more attention. But I argue that Before the Dogwood Blooms is the, probably the most underrated song on that record. Starts with you is pretty underrated. The song is just that's a good one too. Banger. It's a banger. Yeah, as the kids say. I, that that's a really good song for for especially for BJ too because it fits the his previous songs as it mentions in the song sort of as well. Yeah, I agree. If that but, made uh, sense, Andy, you got another one? Protest songs. Yeah, I got one that I think's pretty bad. It's uh Can I Get an Outlaw by Luke Combs. The yeah. writing for that song is not good. No. Not good. It sounds pretty good though. I I kind of like the rock sound. The rock song version. Wait, are you rock Are you talking about the Luke Combs version or the Upchurch version? <clears throat> the Luke Combs version. Which I believe is the original. Upchurch is he's an idiot. <laughs> Complete idiot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know why Luke Combs ever collaborated with that guy. He's a goon. Yeah. It's popular on the internet. Well, that's a lot. But the <laughs> there's a lot, Andy. There's a lot of things popular on the internet that shouldn't be popular. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because I was actually really, really scared you were going to take my last one. Because that was the last was, one I had. Me and you are such big Alan Jackson fans. And I was really hoping you were still the last one. Uh, my last one is Three Minute Positive, Not Too Country by Alan Jackson. Oh, yeah. That's a fantastic pick. Yeah. Uh, it's probably my favorite one of the song. One. Uh, I, I think the song's a little tongue-in-cheek. Actually, I'm fairly positive it is tongue-in-cheek. Uh, it it kind of hits that, like, you're trying to make a really edgy point, but, but you don't want to offend anybody, so you kind of you're trying to toe the middle with that. Well, kind of sound and edgy you know it's a three-minute song about how much i love her and how wonderful we get along but not really um like there's one line yeah, here it's a it's a little bit edgy but softer than spaghetti <laughs> we get redundantly strong <laughs> it's a three-minute positively not too country up-tempo love song <laughs> it's uh it's funny i mean and I think it, it it kind of pokes fun of mainly songs that don't really have them. They try to make a point, but they try to appease everyone. See, yeah. I don't even think they try to make a point. I think you're being nice. Let's just rip them a new asshole. They okay. suck. Those yeah, songs, yeah. those songs suck. They're they're made basically in a lab to for ear pleasing ear candy to get stuck uh, in your head with the melody and the and the snap tracks and everything. It, they're it's bullshit. Anyways, yeah, I mean and. It's becoming more and more apparent where, like, people are really being hurt. I know maybe they're trying to do it for the better good. Maybe I don't know. But you get to the point now where, like, someone's always upset about something. Yeah. So, you don't. there's no, I mean, you could say the sky is blue and there's some nut out there that it'll offend. I mean. Yeah. Whether or not they're genuine or not, I mean, yeah, there's I mean, a lot just, of there's a lot of faux out, outrage these days yeah. about anything. Like anybody that acts like they get pissed off about everything that goes on right now, and they seem so distraught. I don't, I call BS on that. I don't think I'm pissed off that you would say that. Yeah, exactly. That's there a good go. example right there. Andy's pissed that I would say that a lot of people's outrage is fake. So and, I mean, the song, I mean, it, it, it even pokes fun still to this day, which I. I, I give it a lot of credit for being able to poke fun and 
in a be in a in a in a lighthearted way that's fairly clever at the same time. Uh, you know. So that, that's my final song. I don't know if either of you have any uh thoughts on it. No, I I love that song. And I think one of the things I really like about it too is I think um if you listen to it. I think they stop towards the end where they clock in a little short and he's saying, we got to, you know, extend it out. And they do like a little musical interlude. If I'm remembering correctly, I haven't listened to it in a long time and just to get it to three minutes. Cause you know, three minutes is, is the, the sweet spot. So <laughs> it's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's a very fast paced song. Yeah. Cause it's gotta be up tempo. Uh, yeah, it does. It's a, it's a three minute, not two country up tempo love song. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a good pick. I was hoping I had that on my list, but I was going to wait to see if somebody else said it first because it's the one that people don't always think about. But that's a really good song. Yeah, um, good song. One that I've always uh, liked that I know you guys probably don't because we've had private conversations about how you guys are wrong about how you feel about this artist. But there's one that's um, <laughs> our opinions are wrong, Andy. <laughs> yeah, I mean there there are two types of people in this world: those that like George Jones and those that are wrong. But George Jones. George Jones, his song, who's going to fill their shoes is a fantastic song. Um, yeah, who's, song. yeah. So it's like, it, it's just talking about, you know, when the legends are gone, who's going to take their place. Cause you know, it, at the time they might've had this feeling that the, the people under underneath weren't going to be able to fill the shoes of all of the all time greats that have played the, the Opry and what was it? The Wabash cannonball or whatever it was called. So it, it's, that's a good one too. Who's going to fill their shoes by George Jones. And I like George Jones. Yeah, for the record, me and Andy don't hate George Jones. We just we're not gonna go down that road. That was a long, drunk conversation about that. Logan, do you think because just doing math, I mean, most of the legends are now well into their sixties and seventies. Yeah, of the nineties era. Of yeah. the nineties, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think there's anyone currently that could that could carry that load? In the mainstream, when they get yes. to that age, the only well, people... I'm saying, you know, because we probably... Willie's, what, close to 80? Yeah. Um, Alan Jackson's got to be in the 70s. No, Alan Jackson's probably... He's, like, closer to our parents' age than you think. He's, like, um, really? early... Okay. Six, I want to say he's early 60s. Oh, so he's younger than <clears> okay. Yeah, George Strait is in his late 60s, I want to say. Okay, so, I mean, if we're lucky, we have, like, 25. they They've left us. I was wondering if you just to put you on the spot. Yeah. So like you think you carry that load of the mainstream people, right? Cause that's generally who people are going to talk about the ones right. who I think that can, uh, that are going to be able to carry that. So you, you got to look at one. Did they have enough commercial success for people to, to remember them? Also, did they have enough good songs for people for it to continue on? And also, do they actually know the, the genre and the history of the genre uh, for it to, to go on? I think of the <clears throat> newer guys and some of these guys really aren't new anymore, but they're just younger than the guys in their sixties and seventies. I would say that, um, Dirk Bentley is definitely one that will continue on that, yeah. that thing because Dirk Bentley has a, he, does he release some not great songs at times? Of course, but most people do, but Dirk Bentley has a catalog back catalog that still holds up first three records. Go back and listen mm -hmm. to him. I will die on the hill that Dirk Bentley's first three records are fantastic. Um, but he also is a guy that, <clears throat> that uh, has a tremendous respect for the genre, tremendous uh, understanding of the history of the genre. Like, I mean, he, he, I could see him being someone to carry that on um, when he gets a lot older. Cause he's only in his thirties now, but I could see John party being that same guy. Yeah. He, um, he knows the genre a lot. He's on pace to have a really good career. 
Um, Eric Church is another one, even though he's a little more rock. I could see him hanging around in that kind of elder statesman kind of role in Nashville because Eric Church, you know, he just he's matured with his music. Like I said on Miserable and Reckless just this week when we had we're talking about this, Eric Church, if you listen to his music when he was younger and now he's a lot more mature with his subject matter now. He's not it, approaching it, his uh, late 40s, early 50s, singing about Daisy Dukes on a tailgate, <clears throat> Keith Urban. But, but I mean, those are three guys that really stick out. And then also I would say Miranda Lambert's another one from the, um, from the female side of country music. She's definitely one that understands um, the, the history of the genre. She knows a lot of the old music. And she also has had a great career where she straddled the line between commercial and artist um, pretty well. Um, a guy who I think actually has the ability to, and I'm probably going to might would catch heat for saying this, but if you have a conversation with this guy, he's like a country encyclopedia when he's not being kind of an ass hat on TV is, uh, Blake Shelton. Blake Shelton knows country music. Blake Shelton knows, um, history. He knows the old songs. It's unfortunate. I mean, we always talk about, he's one of the most disappointing people as a career from an artistic perspective, because he, he was capable of a lot more than what he did, but he, you know, he, look, he made his money. I can't necessarily say I blame him completely, but he's a guy that could theoretically fill in that role in some ways. It's just his, his discography isn't going to be as respected as some of the other guys. Oh yeah. I don't disagree with anything. You said. I can see Carrie Underwood too. Yeah. She's just too talented. Um, and you know, she's done, you know, she did collaborations earlier in her career with Randy Travis. So, I mean, I could see that being uh, a move for her later. Nothing further for me. Yeah. Andy, you got any other songs you want to bring up? I got, that's my whole list. Where are you at right now? Florida. Florida. What part of Florida? Uh, just outside of Ocala. Okay. It's a blistering 65 degrees right now. Yeah, it's mm, it's it nice down in Florida right now. It's a balmy 32. Yeah, it's rainy. terrible here. It's been it's going to rain for the next seven days here, and it's going to be cold. It's, it's raining. Miserable. It's raining here, but at least it's 65. Yeah, yeah. But, well, I'd say that covers this episode of Country and Cold Cans, our Valentine's Day edition. Um, you know, as... Tell us some of your favorite country protest songs, some that you hate. Also, make sure to go and uh, check out the music video for Austin Mead featuring Co Wetzel, Happier Alone. And um, check out Austin Mead's new record coming out on February 21st. And we now also are about to unveil our brand new website here in the next few weeks for our uh, Country and Cold Cans hats that we have available. Uh, we have Richardson 112s, Richardson 113 styles available in black and blue and navy blue. Um, same patch design. They're very nice hats with a, a stitched logo that is, um, that is embroidered onto the hat. So you're not going to get one of our hats and the glue will come up. So, um, we, they're good quality hats. They fit really nice. Um, if you're interested until then DM us on Twitter or Instagram, we'll, uh, we'll set you up, um, $26 plus shipping. So make sure to check those out. But, uh, and then also remember that Valentine's day is a stupid holiday. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day to all you single ladies out there. Yeah. Hey, but don't forget about the boys. Happy Palentine's Day to all the boys out there. That's got to be. Got to keep it fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're we're equal to everyone here on Country and Coal Can. So. All right. We'll see you guys next time.